to all the exhausted village. I'm, that's what I'm gonna call your fans, Kyle. The exhausted village. Shout out to the exhausted educator. <laughs> this is a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Woo! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You're gonna love the exhausted educator in What is going on, Education Heroes? Thank you for dropping in to the Exhausted Educators Show. In this episode, you will get recharged. And I know that's our slogan. We try to recharge your educational battery. But I'm going to tell you, this episode and the next one, because we're splitting this over two, you will get recharged. Our guest, Jacob Chastain, had a rough, rough childhood. And... He went through a wide variety of things you wouldn't wish on anybody and yet worked himself through it and went on to become a teacher. And not only is he working in education and now as an assistant principal, but he also has one of the biggest education podcasts that are out there and one of the biggest education communities that's out there. In this particular episode, we're going to talk about him and his journey, but also his podcasts, his books, and we're going to dive into what life was like for him, and over the course of these two episodes, we're going to dive into trauma-informed practices and supporting staff. You know what is really inspirational about this guy is that despite going through so many things, he still has a super positive outlook about working with kids and working in education and still completely believes in the idea that you can make a positive impact on youth. At the end of the second portion of this conversation, which you'll hear the second part the next episode, he talks about how you can connect with him. But I don't want you to have to wait until the end of the second episode, so I will have all that information down in the show notes So you can connect with him, you can connect with his community, you can get involved with his Facebook group, and you can also check out his podcast or even check out his books because his stuff is really, really inspirational. You're going to want to check it out. Again, it's going to help to recharge you, which is really what we do here. Ladies and gentlemen, I really know you're going to enjoy this conversation. He's a good guy, he's got great ideas, and he's filled with energy, filled with good juice. I give you Jacob Chastain. Ladies and gentlemen, I am super jacked up to have Jacob Chastain on with me tonight, who is a just elite level education podcaster, one of the top in the business. He's been at it for ages. He's an author, he's a, he's a speaker, he does all the things, and he does all the things really well. Jacob, thanks for jumping on with me tonight. Hey, man, thank you so much for having me. I, I love stepping outside of the, my own little podcasting bubble and coming on other shows and seeing how things work and how everything's going on. So I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you uh, being interested to even want to talk to me. It's an honor. Oh, my goodness. It's an honor to have you on. And so... If anybody in the audience uh, isn't familiar with your work, I'm going to let you just kind of roll and share anything about your podcast, your books, all of that in just a second. 
But I first, I just want to see if, if you could just take us on your educational journey. How'd you get involved with education and then share up to what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, okay. So first of all, Jacob Chastain, I've been, uh, I, I'm right now I'm in my, my current role as in uh, first year high school uh, assistant principal, but going all the way back, you know, it was it, going into education really wasn't something that I specifically wanted to do. It wasn't something that I was striving to do. Um, I've always done things with music and writing, and I always thought I would kind of fall into something like that. I kind of dipped my toes into some marketing stuff, you know, towards, you know, the end of my college terms or whatever. And I, you know, once you sit through a couple, you know, board meetings or whatever about, you know, numbers and stuff. I was just like, this is not my life. I don't want any part of this. It's just not who I am. Like I love, I love putting stuff out there and you know, money's nice, but it's never been my ultimate driver. And so marketing, you kind of have to have both of those pieces. You can't really just be a creative. I mean, I guess there's probably people out there who can, but um, for me, it just didn't fit. And so I started questioning, you know, what am I going to do? And I reached out to one of my life mentors who she's been on the Teach Me Teacher podcast. She's named in the book um, and I'm still friends with her today. She was my high school teacher. She taught me freshman year. She taught me senior year. Her name's Stacey Hammer, one of the greatest educators I've ever met in my life. And I call her up and I say, hey, you know, I'm really like the, this job that I'm doing, it's not really working out. You know, I was wanting to know how do I start even going into education? Is it even possible? And so she kind of gave me the idea of, you know, Hey, maybe come sub for a little bit, or maybe you can put in and you could be, you know, an educational assistant, something like that. Um, I sent my resume over to her principal at the time. Um, they liked what they saw. Uh, I went in, I had the conversation. They walked me through the process of getting into an alt center alt certification program. So within the span of like three months, I went from not really knowing what I was doing to getting into an alt certification program where I passed my content test. And then I was in that summer wow. orientation. And that, that's like the origin story of how I jumped in <laughs> as a teacher. And so my first, I, I'm an English teacher by trade, by love, by heart. But my first year I taught us history, eighth grade. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I was pretty much learning the content. Well, relearning the content, I guess I was always kind of a history nerd, but I was relearning the content in the, in the context of curriculum and standards and whatnot um, while I was teaching kids. So, you know, long story short, I wasn't a very good first year teacher, but what happened was, is I developed relationships with those kids uh, very early on, like as early as meet the teacher night before school started. I remember there was this group of kids. Um, I still talk to them today. They're all, they're, they're like 22, 23 now. Um, but they came in and they met me and they're like, Oh, and, and they went and told their friends, Hey, we got this new social studies teacher this year. Come talk to him. And I had all of these, like this little crew, you know, and as teachers, we know we, you can see the crew I'm talking about, right? They're the kids who they're not always in the worst trouble, but they're, you know, they're getting into shenanigans. They're doing what they want to do. Everyone loves them, but they're not making the best choices all the time. That would have been me back in the day. Exactly. And so they, <laughs> they immediately got attached to me and I was like, Oh, I mean, I feel like that's a good sign. And then, you know, as the months go on and, you know, I just felt really attached to a lot of the kids and, and they really connected with me, the more I opened up about, you know, why I'm even teaching and, and what, like the, the things I was learning, I was really honest with them. Like there was like several weeks in, 
I would have these conversations like, Hey, this isn't really working. I'm new to this job. Do you mind if we reset? Like I had those conversations with kids naturally. And so I, I had some natural tendencies that I didn't know that would benefit me um, until later, but truthfully, it was just me being honest with kids, me willing to, you know, listen to their stories, listen to their drama, listen to their problems, but also guide them kind of on the right path through, you know, education and life. And so I just got addicted. I was like, hmm. I'd love this job. I, I don't think there was anything else I was made to do except for really work in places that, that support kids. And so, um, you know, that year closes out, things are going well. I'm fully certified by this point. I moved to English and then the rest is kind of history in terms of that. I spend all my time, um, at this campus. I teach at that campus for two more years. I get teacher of the year. And then I get reached out to another middle school in the district asking me if I want to be a literacy coach, my fourth year of education. Um, I'd never thought about that. I was like, Oh, <laughs> literacy coaching. What is that? And so I went, I was a literacy coach for a year. Um, I really loved the role. It taught me a lot. I wasn't very good at it because I was still a very young educator at the mm -hmm. time. Um, and being able to navigate que uh, questions, concerns, struggles with teachers who want to be better, but you, sometimes not everyone is fully open to dialogue. I just wasn't equipped to do that. I didn't have the support to do that. And so ultimately I finished out my year. I went back into the classroom for another five years. We built an amazing team. We took a school that was absolutely failing on the verge of having uh, TEA, you know, our agency down here in Texas coming in and taking over the school. And by the time I left, which was last year, we rose it up to uh, the top school in our 30 comparison group. We were number one. We went up to a B on the federal scale, which uh, was incredible from what we were working with. Those kids are absolutely stunning. Um, and in the, in the middle of all of that, you know, Teach Me Teacher was started. My second podcast, Craft and Draft, was started. I wrote Teach Me Teacher, the book, and then I wrote Rightfully Empowered based on the work that I did with kids and empowering their voices. And now I'm an assistant principal at a wonderful high school, and I'm loving it, man. And and I'm here talking to you. So that that's the elevator the trajectory <laughs> of what I've gone through. That's to amazing. Where I'm at now. A lot of nuance there, but that's that's the overview. That is good stuff. And you're still so young, man. I mean, I don't know how old you are, and I'm guessing... Uh, 32. You know, um, I just turned 32 in November. Man, man, the sky's the limit for you, man. And then, uh, I'll be honest with you. like, And as I said before, we officially started recording, you know, your, your content's great. And, and it has been. And it's not just that, you know, you're passionate about it, but it's also you bring on really passionate people. And I think it's your podcast, you know, as, as I said before, and for any of our listeners, I was telling Jacob before um, that, you know, he was one of my inspirations. And there was a, there's a, there was a group of education podcasters and I was thinking about it and I thought, oh, I don't know. And I started listening to, to episodes of Teach Me Teacher as well as uh, Aspire, which is Josh Stamper, which our mm -hmm. listeners will know, and then the, the Punk Rock Classroom guys and a couple others. And, and that, that really kind of, you know, set me in motion. And um, so, you know, sometimes when you're behind the mic, you don't even know the impact that, that you're making. So, and you, and I say you, and you know, you've community, you've created a community, man. I mean, you've got a, a massive community of people who are just soaking up your content and it's because of the great things you're doing. So I just want, um, you know, before we move forward, I just want to thank you and, you know, for not just for, for, you know, inspiring me, but also all the others, right. And education. And the reason why we have this podcast is education can be brutal sometimes, right. Working, yeah. working in education can be tough. And it's just nice. It's nice that there's a lot of people out there trying to help in whatever capacity that is. So thank you for all your work, man. 
Well, and I, I appreciate that. And what it makes me think about truthfully is, you know, I've sat back a lot and, and thought about, you know, it, it's first of all, like, you know, the way Teach Me Teacher started was it was just my so I was a second year teacher and I had an amazing principal who was also my high school teacher. Uh, he I went up to him and I said, hey, man, I like I'm a I'm still fairly new. I don't really know what I'm doing, but we we used to do these PD sessions where, you know, we they had to give us or not PD. We had like these staff meetings. And but in the middle of it, they would do they would pay, bring on a teacher that would do some type of strategy. So if they needed to tell us about like some testing schedule, they would also do it within some type of strategy. So that way we could kind of learn something new, but also get the information that we had to do for the school. Um, and I love that. But I was like, I don't see enough of this. Like, I don't get out of my bubble enough to right. interact with what all these really great educators around me are doing. So I said, hey, what if we did like a school podcast? I was like, I had, you know, I had a little blue Yeti microphone, USB, you know, I plugged it into my computer. I was like, I, I kind of know what I'm doing with audio. I was like, what if I recorded just conversations, put it out there for the school and we can kind of learn from it from there. And he liked the idea. And then the only reason it ever got posted publicly, believe it or not, was because I, there was, it was just, I knew no one was going to go to like the Google drive link, click it and listen. That way. It was just too much of a pain. So I was like, I don't know. I'll upload it. My original teach me teacher logo was made on some free app on my phone, the, the black <laughs> logo with the red apple. Um, and I was like, yeah, teach me teacher. Sounds great. And then, uh, I didn't even know how to look at number downloads until like six months doing the show. <laughs> and I finally figured it out. And I was like, oh, there's like a couple hundred people listening. I was like, I don't work with a couple hundred teachers. I was like, who the heck's listening to this <laughs> podcast? And so I just kept going. And it just, that's literally the origin story of the whole thing. And so when I sit, when, you know, when you tell me, you know, it's, it's been influential for you or when I, when I go speak and people uh, come up to me and they say they've been listening, you know, for not just a little bit, but for like years, it just blows me away because it, the whole thing started just of my desire to learn from people who were more experienced than me or learn from people who just want to share their stories. And so mm. I'm, I'm honored to do the work, but it's also, it blows me away all the time that it, it's gotten to where it's at. So it, it's, it's good to hear that, but I, you know, this just rethinking about that, it's just, you know, it's, it's a humble moment, but like you never know what, what's going to impact somebody. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it, it sometimes in, in doing this, sometimes, you know, I'm kind of caught off guard and, you know, get an email from somebody in, in another country. That's what, that's yeah. what always blows me away, right? Like, you know, it, it was one thing that, you know, to hit record and push things out. It's been another thing to think, you know, I've got, I've got a listener in Guatemala, like, <laughs> you know, just odd things like that, like never even occurred. I love the fact that your, your journey is just straight up grassroots, man. Like it's just straight, <laughs> it's just straight up. Like, we're just going to record some stuff. We didn't even have like big plans and it just grew and it just grew and it's just grew snowballed over time. And, and like I said, you've been, you've been crushing it ever since. Hey, could you just spend a couple minutes in, in speaking of your podcast? I just want to give you some free leash to talk about, you know, you got multiple podcasts, multiple books, all the amazing things that you have out that you have going and have been doing. Cause I really think that's going to resonate well with the audience. I want them to hear that. Um, because I think there's a lot of good stuff out there for them to, to check out from your end. Yeah. I mean, here, truthfully, the, the, the volume of stuff out there really is only because I just love this work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm recording another one of my own podcasts right after I get off with you. And it's just, it, it's, it's what I do. It, it drives me. And it's it, the feedback that I've gotten over time 
has been infectious. It, it makes me want to do it, you know, even when I don't feel like it, right? If I'm sick or, you know, I'm just too stressed. But when the when the camera comes on and the mic comes on, it it puts me in that zone to be like, you know what? There's a lot of people who look forward to hearing people talk about education, not in this negative light. I mean, mm. I know everyone has their feelings about Twitter. I think Twitter is the worst place for educators because it's so negative. It's it, There is nothing more negative than that space. Um, and it's it hurts me because there's it's easy to get sucked in that, especially if you're unhappy. Yep. When you are unhappy yourself and or or you're struggling because you're 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 there's all these things going on in your personal life or the the school you're at has changed or admin has changed and it's causing a lot of disgruntledness. You know, I truly believe that some of the worst things we can do is just go head on into more misery on social media. Yes, I think it agreed. creates this cycle of suffering. And I, I don't think it's, there's nothing nefarious about it. I don't think these, I don't think people are actively going, you know what, let's help everyone else feel even more miserable <laughs> about the work of education. I, I don't, I think a lot of people talk about it because they it's their outlet and yep. it, 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 it releases some of that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. However, I think only that is when it becomes this toxic place. The number one email I get from people is, man, I'm so glad I found your podcast. It's an actual positive place for educators. Exactly. It's a place where people, to, I always say it's the good news of education at yep. Teach Me Teacher because that doesn't mean I don't hit on controversial issues. I do it all the time. And I've, I've hit on issues that I was frankly afraid to talk about. Um, I've hit on issues that I knew was going to cause fans to be like, yo, what, what, why are we talking about, you know, and why are we hitting on these things? But I did it because I've always wanted to push the narrative that conversation is how we get better. Mm. I will, I've never subscribed to the idea that we need to, we, we need to silence people or we need to cut off conversations or we don't need to talk across aisles. And, you know, there's a, there's people out there who, you know, come to teach me teacher because a controversial subject comes up. I bring on two people who disagree fundamentally, but because I handle their interviews as non-biased as possible, everyone has a bias. It's really hard to do, right. but because I do that, people feel comfortable and they trust that I'm going to host a conversation that isn't trying to convince them of some political ideology or some uh, indoctrination level stuff. They know that I'm literally there to host the conversation and then the audience can decide whatever they want to do with it. Um, and I don't take that lightly because that is it, this day and age, the most rare thing that anyone can do in the world is be genuine mm. is, is have genuine conversation, have genuine questions and the people I bring on teach me teacher, you know, whether it's, you know, Miguel Cardona, our secretary of education for the <laughs> Biden administration, or, you know, an educator that I found on Instagram with 300 followers. My goal when I talk to every single person is like, I want to know what you have to say. Right. I, I re genuinely want your response. I genuinely have curiosity about your work. I get pitched all day, every day for people to come on from agents, uh, from companies, from all this stuff. And I say, I say no to 95% <laughs> of, of all of them simply because they don't fit the, the message of teach me teacher. I could sell out and I could, you know, put all of these ads on there <laughs> continuously from all of these corporations, but I have literally hundreds of hours of me bashing these corporations <laughs> who, who ruin education. It would be, it would be entirely dishonest. Um, and I, as, as someone who loves podcasting myself, you know, I like listen to podcasts. I, I trust 
the people that I give my time to. And so I don't take it lightly. And I think that's why truthfully teach me teacher is still going and why it's, it's had the success that it has and why it ranks really high um, on a lot of the charts that are, that are concerned with the podcast, because um, I, I genuinely do it for educators and with educators. Um, and it, it's something that I, I, I don't take lightly. And, you know, when I started craft and draft my second podcast, that one was like, okay, teach me teacher is this space where I kind of, I get someone and we interact, but it, there's not a lot of, audience interaction, so to speak, because the way it's built, it just really doesn't have a lot of feedback innate in it, right? Because it's, it's very interview focused. There's not a, a live audience. And so I was really like with my partner, her and I would talk for literally an hour and a half, two hours about <laughs> teaching English and all this stuff. And I was like, why don't we start recording this? And she was like, no one's going to listen. And I was like, maybe, but <laughs> I was like, I, some of this stuff is good. Like, I think it would be, I was like, there's not a podcast out there that dives as deep as you and I do. I was mm. like, let's record and see what it's like. And so we did it. And then now we have this little audience where we fund it through Patreon. So we don't have to do any ads. Um, they support us. They get bonus episodes and bonus training and access to uh, direct access to us. And it's this small little community, but we make enough money on that podcast through the Patreon to keep the podcast going, to pay for the website, to do all of that stuff. And it's this, it's, it's such a smaller community, but we get to help in massive ways. You know, there's people that come to us and like, Hey, I have this specific problem. We're like, sweet. Let's talk about it for an hour on the podcast. Um, and it's, it's so fulfilling in, in such a massive way. And so when we talk about all the things that I'm kind of doing out in the world, it's really just because I love to help and, and, and share and, and be interactive. And, you know, in terms of the books, teach me teacher, I wrote that book expecting it to never do anything. Like I was like, <laughs> there's no way someone's gonna, you know, I just, I didn't, cause I didn't know how to tell it. I wanted to tell my story. Um, because I, I believe my story is a testament to the power of education and the power of public school and the power of teachers. But I also wanted to share my story about be, you know, being a, a young teacher and, and learning how to navigate that and, and what that was for like my first four years of teaching. And so I wrote the first chapter a year before I read the re wrote the rest of the book. I just, I needed to kind of put that down the first chapter for anyone who's read it or is curious. It's, it's one of the most traumatic events of my life and all in all honesty, but I wrote it, I put it away and I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's out. I went back. And then I kind of had an idea and I worked through this really complicated process. And then luckily Dave Burgess and Shelly Burgess, they read, you know, some of my early pages and they liked the idea and believed in the book and believed that regardless of the fact that it was kind of a different <laughs> professional development book for educators, uh, they believed in the message and supported it. Um, it had pretty decent success. It caused, it caused a lot of doors to open and then. My second book, Rightfully Empowered, is almost an entirely different genre. It's about how to get kids to share their voices and empower. And the whole reason that book exists is because through COVID, I taught these kids in sixth grade. I moved up with them through seventh grade, and we stayed in contact the whole time because of digital learning and Zooms and everything. And so I was like, these kids are amazing, and they've grown so much. I was like, I want to, the best I can, share how edu other educators can maybe uh, replicate some of the magic that we were able to do here. And so I sat down, I wrote rightfully empowered Dave and Shelly liked the idea as well. And it got published. And now I'm, I'm, I, I find myself talking about trauma a lot with people, but hmm. I also find myself talking about, you know, how do you let kids be kids and still teach them? That's like hmm. my ultimate message these days is how do we honor the human beings in our spaces, but at the same time, move them academically so that they can be successful in a bunch of other areas. And so 
you know, that that's, that's, that's where all my stuff is at, man. It's really driven by the, the community and the kids that I work with. Yeah. It's good stuff. And I love your energy and I love your passion. It's, it's really number one reason why, I'm, why I figured our audience will really take well to your stuff. And, and we've had Dave on the show and his energy is amazing yeah. too, man. He is, a, he's a high octane dude, which I yeah. totally love, totally love. Um, and him and Shelly are just good people, just good mm-hmm. people. And they've been at it for a long time. Uh, so congratulations on that, on the podcast. Congratulations on multiple books. And again, you know, your overall impact on educators all across the country, well, worldwide really. And, uh, you just, you just have just you keep things coming, man. It's amazing. It's amazing. Sorry to break in the action, everybody, but I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Recharge Family Designs, specifically our sticker designs that have been designed by all of our family members in hopes that we can get more positive messaging out in the world to help recharge and empower teachers, parents, and kids. Check them out at rechargefamily.com or just hook up with the link down in the show notes. Now let's get back to the action. Let me dive into a little bit of you. Let me crack you open a little bit. Sure. Uh, non-literal terminology, of course. Sure, sure, sure. And, uh, and just kind of, you know, I know a little bit uh, just from listening to and reading uh, through the years. I know your story coming up to where you're at now, but specifically growing up as a kid was not, you know, not easy. We'll just say that. So yeah. you want to take us back a little bit and just kind of talk about your journey coming through? Because I think it leads into where I want to go as far as like, you know, trauma-informed practices and everything. And, but it gives you some extra insight that a lot of people might not have. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's always, it's awkward to, to address sometimes because they're, you know, my, my life is so good really right now that, um, and has been for a long time, but I, I, the reason I think where I'm at today is because of the, the struggle that I had as a kid and, and some of the, the lucky things that were really in place in my life that kind of drove me out of it. But, um, truthfully, you know, as a, as a child, you know, I didn't really know anything was really wrong until around age 10 or so. But, you know, once I started getting cognizant that things might not be okay, you know, my friend's parents, you know, might make a comment about, you know, Hey, we don't really want, you know, so-and-so's friend to come to your house or, you know, things like that. I was always like, why? Like, I don't, my house is pretty cool. You know, we just hang out and, you know, play video games or whatever. Um, And then, you know, as things started making more sense, you know, I I realized that, you know, well, here, let me back up. You know, the, one of the, one of the hard things about kids, and I think anyone that's been in education long enough sort of knows this is if you've been raised in an environment, you don't always understand that that environment is not normal Hmm. right it's just what you know right right and so the the yelling and the fights and the physical abuse um through uh you know my parents to uh, my siblings and myself you know a lot of that was just kind of par for the course i just never really thought about it like my dad being really aggressive you know he was he was mostly you know, he was mentally and verbally abusive to all of us, but physically abusive, mostly to my mom. And so growing up with that, you know, it would make me frustrated and angry. And I, there was long nights where I would I, like just me screaming, you know, literally trying to get people to stop hitting each other or stop fighting. And then I would go to school the next day. Right. Hmm. You know, in elementary school, uh, middle school. And 
it was just normal. It was normal to see these things. And, you know, later on, as things got worse, it was normal for my parents to be passed out because they were high on drugs. They had they had a, a, a very extreme pill addiction um, that that they passed back and forth and it got worse with time. And then as their marriage started deteriorating, it got even worse. And so a lot of my time as a kid was really just living this life of not wanting to be home, not like, you know, if I was home, I was doing one of two things. I was either listening to music in my room or I was playing drums, listening to music in the garage. Right. You know, my dad had this huge, you know, Neil Peart rush style drum set. And I just, you know, I would go out there and I would just bang the crap out of them, you know, to Lincoln Park and Metallica and, you know, all of those bands. Um, and I, I, that's how I would get it out. You know, the fight would start. I'd go in there, I'd listen to music or I would do that. And then later, you know, I would read a lot. Um, and so this cycle just over and over again, just be living in this this home that was destructive and toxic um and dangerous uh, the only place i ever felt comfortable was school i would mm-hmm. go to school and i would be like i love this place you know i have these teachers who take care of me and they pay attention and they listen when i have to talk um and i just found so much comfort in my teachers they were the only adults around me who took care of me in in a meaningful way you know there's there's times when I would be at school and I would go home, but on my waiting, you know, mom would be late because she was high and then we were driving home and she'd be too high to drive. And so literally from the moment I left school until I got to school again, it was just anxiety, fear, depression, all of those things. Um, and I, every day I'm, I say people, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful that uh, things didn't get worse you know there there are people out there who have worse stories there's people out there who are in more dangerous situations you know given everything that did happen and there was a lot of traumatic pieces and i write about a lot of them in teach me teacher i'm very fortunate that i you know by about age 14 or so our house got repossessed you know the my dad abandoned us he did he he can you know he was very controlling so my mom didn't know anything about the money he leaves she ends up finding out you know they have all of this debt they have to we have to sell the house all this other stuff you know pretty much just the perfect storm for you know just all the things collapsing at once i moved my drums out to my cousin's house uh, who plays guitar. And so between my grandma, my cousins and my mom, we basically decide, you know, every weekend, pretty much they're going to meet halfway, you know, they're two hours away. So they're going to meet halfway and I'm going to go down there and play. And so I end up spending the vast majority of my early teenage years, hanging out with kids who are older than me out in the country. We're playing music, you know, we're rocking out. We're the coolest people on the planet going to shows, (laughs) you know? And, uh, and so I would go to school come home, ignore as many people as possible. And then on the weekends I'd be gone and then I would come home. And that was my cycle literally over and over and over again. Um, and then when I got into high school, my goal became, okay, I just need to survive until I'm 18. Hmm. I just need to, to make it through spend all, you know, I was on the drum line. So I had a lot of extracurricular stuff, um, to do in high school. Um, I had a lot of teachers who, you know, praised me or in terms of just kind of the work that I did. And so I had a lot of reason to stay at school and and really enjoy that time. My mom ended up going to jail when I was in high school. Mm. So I lived on my own for 
quite a while. And my, her boyfriend at the time would leave me like, you know, 50 bucks, 60 bucks or whatever. And I would buy frozen burritos, ramen, and you know, Jack in the box tacos. And that's what I ate. And I had free lunch at school. Right. And I was, I was living in this apartment on my own, just going to school for the most part. I didn't make it there every day if we're going to be completely transparent, but I, that I still went because I enjoyed my time being there. I had a reason to go. And so I had every reason to stay home. But, you know, I also had drumline directors, you know, who would be like, yo, you haven't been to school in three days. Get your butt up here. Hmm. Right. And so over and over and over and over again. And this is why I say in Teach Me Teacher, that book is a testament to the power of educators because they're the reason I even got through high school. And I barely did. I almost didn't pass. Um, it was because they paid attention. They listened. I didn't have anyone else. I, I had every reason. I could have just chilled, done whatever, partied, you know, went down all the wrong paths. And I went down a few. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I could have just kept going that way. But I had adults who paid attention to me. And I was like, you know what? I feel connected to them. I don't want to disappoint these people who who put this much time and effort into me. And um, sometimes I did, but for the most part, you know, I, I, I made it through. And so by the time I graduated, I moved out with my girlfriend who ended up becoming my wife. We got an apartment. I found out I had all of, I had these evictions on my record. I had, you know, money on my record that was due that, you know, obviously I wasn't in time because my dad was using my credit. And so I was like, Oh my God. And so my whole life has been, you know, me pushing to go, I don't want this. I want to get out of this. I don't want to repeat this cycle. I want to divorce myself from it. And so every door that I saw where I was like, that looks positive. That looks like it can push me in the right direction. This, this brings me joy. This makes me want to, to do better. I just kept going and, and ignoring everything. I was like, I, you know, I don't have, I didn't have the silver spoon. You know, I, I can't pay for college out of my, out of my pocket. You know, I have to go into debt to do all of this. I have to do that. And so by the time I became a teacher, I have all of that narrative in the back of my head. And then I start teaching kids who have it worse. I start teaching kids who their stories mirror mine. I start teaching kids who have great lives. And my whole stance is, man, I can, I can use this, this, this massive part of my life that is truly miserable and truly, you know, still leaves me with struggles today that I still have to face as a 32 year old, that I still have to work through my own mental hangups on a lot of, on a lot of things. I can use that to mean something now I can, I can use this to channel, you know, I have this kid who's upset about this, that's living through this life. You know what? I do have an extra 30 minutes. I don't need to go home and do the dishes right now. I need to sit here and listen to this kid talk. Um, I need to create lessons that aren't just trying to get kids to move academically, but, but that communicate in a way to them that shows them that there are ways out of whatever situation you are in. We, we don't choose the families we're born in. We don't we don't choose the realities that we have to live in, but we choose how we react to those things. And you can choose the path of destruction. And I would argue many people do and they, and it's not fair. And a lot of them don't realize that they're doing it. And so my job as an educator and my job as a principal today is every time I sit with a kid is I want them to walk away from me feeling more positive than they did before, even if they're getting in trouble, right? Even if I'm giving a suspension, even if I caught them doing something they weren't supposed to, even if they, they've made a really horrible choice at the end of my conversation, they need to know this is where you're at now, but you get to decide how you react next every single 
time. And I, I don't think I would be able to do that if it wasn't for the educators in my life. Um, and I think that my own, the only thing I can do about my own story is, is make it meaningful for others. If, if you're going to suffer, um, and if you live through suffering, the, the best thing you can do is share your testimony because odds are other people have experienced it too. Preach on my man, preach on, you are hitting me right in the fields. That is a hundred percent been my message from, for a long time as mm -hmm. also somebody who scraped his way through high school. I often say in the elementary level, we would do uh, reading groups and my group, we were the crows, you know, there were the blue Jays and the mm -hmm. Oreos and everybody. And we were the crows and the crows, we just traveled together. Right. And then, you know, get to high school and, and I barely made it through algebra. As a matter of fact, I yep. squeaked a D and they, <laughs> they, made, they made a new class between algebra and algebra two. It was called algebra one B. And that's where I went. Right. And then I failed chemistry. I take that. So I, I, I totally understand like the, the struggles, but yeah. the importance of people around you pulling you along. And I also, this is, this is a huge thing for me. Like I don't fully think there's the overall impact that people have when you've had personal struggles yourself, when you've sat in some of, you know, some of the shoes of some of the kids that are in your schools, that gives you real insight, real insight yeah. to, you know, maybe at least a portion of what they're going through. And because of that, you, you immediately have a connection with them. And because of that, you also, the insight allows you to maybe go deeper with that kid and make even more impact. So that's, that's awesome stuff, awesome stuff. And your story is amazing. And the fact that you, what you're talking about is like, there's two roads, right? There's the, you know what, my life that has stunk and I'm just headed towards destruction or there is, you know, either I'm going to pull myself out of this or people around me are going to pull me out of this and I'm going to start to make good choices with my life. So uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. Party time. It's like, oh, 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 sirens are going off in my head. We're going to try to just not be horrible. I'm watching you, exhausting entertainers. Always watching. Last Christmas. <laughs> This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his music in our intro, outro, and also the music used in our interviews. You can find his information in the show notes below.